listening to New Layer, a design podcast with Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel. I feel like we've probably covered this in some capacity in the past, but... I can't even remember. (laughs) Everything got sucked into 2020. Oh, boy. Uh, The question is for you, Jasmine. Oh, boy. Have you ever gone into a meeting and maybe there's like six to a dozen people in there and you're sitting down and the, the person who started the meeting is up there talking and as they're talking, you look around and you say, what is this meeting about? Why are we here? Why am I here? Do I need to be here? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah. Frequently. Really? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's on me that I just like I'm not ready or prepared or like I'm just running from one meeting to the other. Um, but it's a good question to ask. Uh, I, I guess this is kind of like, there's probably, I think there's actually a book on this. Um, how do you make your, your meetings more productive? How do you make sure that, you know, you're not, you're in the meetings you're supposed to be, that the right attendees are there. Um, and I, I think this is actually really relevant because, um, I am at Dropbox now and we just announced that we're going virtual first. There's a lot of companies that are working with, um, full remote, um, Google, Facebook, um, tons, tons of companies. And then there's companies who have been remote for a while. Um, but then this idea that, um, the idea of zoom fatigue or, you know, Google hangout fatigue where you're on the screens all the time. I think the, the idea of whenever you need to be in now a virtual room with people, how do we make sure that that's, um, not draining and useful um, because now we're in more meetings because we believe in face-to-face time. So the, the core question then is, is how, how do you make sure your meetings are, are productive? Is that effective? Effective. Yeah. I think effective is a good word. Or not even your meetings, the meetings you're in. Yeah. Even it, if you're not the owner. That's right. Yeah. Because I do think that's a, an important distinction. These are any meetings you attend. It doesn't have to be your meetings that you're leading as a participant in a meeting, you kind of owe it to the group there to also ensure that they're having an effective and a useful, uh, like uh, their, their time is going to a good, valuable thing. I'm su- And I'm super opinionated about how to make meetings great just because I've had some really, um, I've had some modeled for me. I'd have, I've had some practice modeled for me that I was like, this was phenomenal. Um, but I think the reality is there's only certain things that work for certain cultures. And so how do you, you know, first, I guess, how do you recognize when something isn't going well? And then what are the paths you take to correct that? Yes. And I have also so many opinions and thoughts on this based on my experiences, both good and bad. So I'm, I'm really excited to dive in this. How do you make meetings effective? Okay, let's do it. So, there's one thing I'm just going to quickly throw out. Uh, this probably could have come later in the conversation, but I'll throw it out as a starting point. One of the things I really enjoyed about working at Facebook in the early days was there was kind of this, I'm actually curious if you heard this as well. There was a very prominent belief that if you're in a meeting and you don't think it's useful or you don't think you need to be there, just get up and walk out. And it was kind of like a cultural norm where you would actually see this happening in a few few meetings. I know I've done it as well. It's just kind of like, you know what, I actually do have better things to do with my time. Goodbye. Yeah. I don't I don't remember that. Um, but I know a lot of folks have adopted that. And there's also sort of a pre-step to, to that, which is like 
you know, hey, now take a look at your calendar and see what you need to be in and what you don't need to be in and don't show up. Um, But I think what that's doing is actually saying there are meetings out there that are useless for you. And the actual solving the problem would be like solving the meeting as opposed to someone walking out. Um, I think what I've often been doing, um, I guess just over the past many months is I kind of just attend, but I'll just multitask. Um, and if, so if there's something that I don't really need to be in rather than like making that, um, that conscious decision to, or to, 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 to verbally say, or to just like slide out of the meeting to say, um, Hey, this isn't working and I, or I don't feel like this is valuable for me. So I'm going to leave. I'll just do other stuff. And I think what that does a, a pretty bad thing, which it contributes to, um, you know, if, if it's supposed to be a discussion and I'm kind of just half there, it doesn't, it doesn't make me a full contributor or a full attendee. And so like, I think, I think the whole point here is like, if there's stuff that's going on that shouldn't be going on, you should probably nip it in the bud. Um, so I guess maybe, maybe we could come up with a bunch of like, what are letter, what are signs that meetings are not going well? Yeah. Apart from everyone tuning out or trying to multitask. Well, I mean, I think that's a sign like, uh, and, and you know, people with laptops open, that's probably a sign. IRL. Yeah. Now in the zoom world, it's a little bit different because we're all staring at our laptops. It's much easier to try to multitask. Yeah. And I think it's still a bad thing. Like, um, I just yesterday started putting, usually I have my laptop on the desk in front of me and that way I can reach the key keypad. I don't have a, an external keyboard yet. Um, and I started putting it up on the stand so that I couldn't reach the keyboard because I realize that it's just too tempting for me to be able to jump on Slack when I'm in a meeting. And I do believe that even with Zoom meetings, we should all try and be focused and present. And so, you know, eyes looking to other screens, the tap, tap, tap of the keyboard, um, those are, are probably, those can be read as signals that folks are slightly disengaged. Oh, yeah, definitely. And there's also this notion where, I don't know if you've encountered this much, but uh, not notion, this, this scenario where someone's like presenting and talking and then you start hearing their Slack notifications go off. Oh, so just like regular distractions. Yeah. Like, there, yeah. okay, let me, I want to caveat that though, because there are like real world scenarios, like we've got our dogs barking or someone's making lunch or, uh, you know, someone needs something in the house. Like, I think those are acceptable distractions that just happen in the state of the world today. But things like Slack notifications or your phone getting texts or like you can hear someone like send a tweet, you know, the, the, the tweet. Oh. Sound. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing in this meeting? If Yeah. So like there's probably some like totally fine distractions, like your kids coming in and, and, you know, that's fine. Like that's the world we're living in right now. And, and we should, we should be able to uh, integrate our lives in the way that feels important. I know I'm always making lunch behind you and you haven't been using your headphones. So like your coworkers are hearing all my chopping of vegetables, but like the sort of ones that show that you're not engaged or you're not intentionally focused. That's right. Um, I, I think one of the other ones is something you said earlier. It's like when you say, w- I don't even know what, what we're talking about. Um, so if, if, if you feel off track and you've done your due diligence of being focused, um, and like the quick solve to that one is saying, you know, what are we talking about? Like, or what's the goal here? I think another one is, um, not knowing what a a good outcome of the meeting looks like. Um, yes, let's, let's double down there because I think that's the very first thing, no matter what the meeting is, you should have a very clear expected outcome. Sometimes that's like a decision. Sometimes it's multiple tasks with clear owners. Sometimes it's just alignment. Like that's okay too, I Mm -hmm. think. 
but you have to have a very clear objective for what you're going to get out of that time. And just as important as having that objective, you have to make sure that everyone in the room understands that objective and agrees to it. Yeah. And I think there's, there's probably only a handful of objectives. One is, one is sort of listening and learning. And that might be where you're listening in on a presentation, like an all hands or, um, someone's presenting like a research report. So listening and learning would be one. Um, another might be decision-making. And so that might be like a review. Um, if you're going into your stakeholders and, and presenting information and, and getting sign off on something, um, another might be, um, getting feedback. So maybe a critique or, um, a work session might be something like that. Another might be, um, community, just building community, spending time with each other. And so I think those are generally about the only four, um, I encounter maybe a work session is one that feels like a meeting, but might actually not be a meeting as we typically classify it where it's, Mm. you know, you're looking to progress something, um, to be at a further state than you were at the beginning. And so I think actually, especially if you're doing like meeting audits and some of that can be done by looking at a calendar and some of that can just, just be sitting in and asking yourself like, Hey, what kind of a meeting is this? And then are we following the, the rituals and routines and practices, um, that really make this successful, um, and I think each, each kind of different kind of meeting would have a different, um, uh, sort of practice to it. So for example, in all hands, you're probably not going to participate in an all hands in a critique. You might not be the presenter, but you would still part- participate. Um, if you're a decision maker in a review, it might be something different. And so, th- yeah, I love that. The first step is really to identify what kind of meeting this should be. Right. What's the objective? Mm-hmm. And I, I cannot emphasize this enough. No matter who you are or what your role is, you should feel comfortable and confident asking in the group if you don't know what's our objective with this time. Mm-hmm. I think what you would find if you're like maybe uh, just starting on your career, you're new to the team, or you're kind of embarrassed, like maybe everybody in the room already knows and you don't. I mean, I've done this myself. It's totally okay to say before we get any further, before we start, can we just align on the objective? Why are we here? Yeah. And I I think I'd separate what kind of meeting and objective because, um, if you can identify the kinds of meetings, you, you shouldn't have to ask in certain circumstances. Like if it's just a listen and learn, that should be obvious. You wouldn't need to say what's the objective, um, in a decision-making meeting, the objective would need to be a specific thing. Like we are looking to make a decision on X. And so, I think, you know, what kind of, like I'm new at a company and I need to go in and say, Hey, what's this meeting for? And, you know, someone will say, Oh, we're here to, you know, let certain people show their work. And then we ask questions and I'm like, okay, like I can already identify what kind of a meeting that is. This is mostly a listen and learn. Um, and the questions are, are geared towards me. Um, if it's a review, we, I might then need to say, okay, well, how was the process for us to go about, um, making a decision? And so I think this is when things like agendas come in really useful where that objective, like it having an objective and then that objective being explicit with a path to how we're going to make those decisions becomes really important. Yeah. I think I want to go there because I think you're absolutely right. Agenda is the next thing. Like Mm -hmm. having an objective, a clear objective, aligned objective, then also working backwards. Well, how are we going to get to that objective? That's a good meaning. But 
I actually want to counter what you just said because I still mm. think it's immensely valuable to ask and regularly ask it even. Even if you already know why we're here, people like might be coming from another meeting. They, they forgot the context. They don't have the same mindset as you. They're coming from a different function. Uh, even in like something like an all hands, a great question to ask if you have a QA and a in your all hands is, how do we want to use this time? It's okay to do that in my mind. It's, it's mm. a very positive thing because you're just reinforcing that signal so even in your design critique i think the expectation for most designers is very clear you're critiquing work you're improving the work it doesn't hurt to get alignment on that on that vocabulary on the intentionality of all those meetings so in my mind yes you should know that the type of meeting the expectations the norms around that but again it doesn't hurt to ask why are we here yeah i think my systematic brain is trying to 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 place what that question answers. And to me, that question answers objective. It answers process. It answers outcome or sorry. Um, objectives and outcomes are essentially the same thing. Um, and it would also identify, uh, the specific, the, uh, the specifics, like the content that you're going over. So I, I guess it's just how, how you want to frame it. Yeah. Yeah. But again, just to reiterate, I don't think it hurts to, to continually bring that up. Not in a, like a, I think we can do better kind of way, but just like, Hey, like let's make sure we are aligned on this again. What's the objective. Right. So, once you have that objective, like you said, the the next thing that makes a meeting productive is, well, how are we going to get to that objective? Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is outline it through an agenda. Mm-hmm. How many meetings do you go to on a regular basis that have an agenda? That's clear. Every single one now. It's amazing, but it's what? not always been that way. <laughs> how, okay. First of all, so this is at Dropbox? Yeah. How? 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 Um. I, I think like when we think of what works for cultural uh, or what, what has good cultural outcomes, what has good outcomes for habits ends up needing to be, to be infused in the culture. And so I think if, if you're able to say, you know, Hey, every meeting, you know, we do a couple things. We put a title on it. We add participants. We have certain lists for certain kinds of meetings. We have certain time frames that we're used to. We always add an agenda and we, you know, we used to add a room, but now we add a Zoom meeting. And so I think like there's certain, there's certain experiences I've had that go better than others. So Dropbox is really great at adding agendas. Um, Intercom was really great at making sure we had, you know, all of a certain kind of meetings at a certain kind of time. Um, other things might be, you know, at Intercom, we actually did agendas. We had shared personal agendas, but you'd kind of have to find them. But if you were in in the core group, you might have them ready to go. Um, it's different when you're smaller. It's different when you're bigger. Um, but it's, I think that's something that you kind of have to start as a habit. Yeah. I like, I like that a lot, though. The, the idea that this is giving me, and I'm not quite sure it's what you're explaining. So tell me if it is. Uh, my team, well, part of my team at Gem, we just finished reading Holloway's Guide to Remote Work. Oh, yeah. And in that guide, it's a great book, by the way, highly recommended right now, especially for leaders working in the remote space. Uh, part of that guide talks about building out a communication architecture. And this is basically mm. a, a pyramid or an inverted pyramid that shows all the different communication mechanisms you have on your team, when to use them, etc. It's not like a Bible or anything. It's not super strict, but it helps outline that. And what this makes me think of is, well, what if we had the same thing for meetings and you can even provide agenda templates for certain types of meetings, Mm -hmm. right? So this can be like a documented uh, bulleted list saying, if you're doing a design critique or some type of formal critique, here's the steps you should go through. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, you know, we can give a couple of examples. Like critiques are usually you have a sign up document, so you should know in advance who's presenting, or at least if that's how you've established your critique. So somebody can make sure they're prepared. Um, you may have, 
um, roles that you need to fill out every time, you know, who's facilitating, who's taking notes. Um, you might have, you know, a structure that you want to go through for presentation, for, um, asking questions, for giving feedback, for, um, synthesizing that feedback. Um, for other meetings, it might just be, you know, Hey, here's the three topics we need to go through. Um, we need to make a decision on X. Um, Y is, is just an FYI. Um, and Z is, uh, something that we just need to make sure everybody has on their radar. Um, and so there's, there's different kinds of agendas for different kinds of outcomes. And I think, you know, agenda is usually like what we're going to talk about. There's also this idea of process. It's like, how are we going to talk about it? Can you elaborate on that? Um, yeah, I mean, what we're going to talk about might be a laundry list of things, or it could be a very specific thing. Um, but I think in the, in, in the spaces where, you know, maybe it's a presentation where we're going to take 20 minutes, we're going to listen to this work and then we're going to spend the last 10 minutes on questions. That might be a how, um, and that can be part of the agenda. Um, or it might be something like, um, you know, Hey, we're going to take five minutes and everybody's going to, you know, jot down or we'll make just a massive checklist of all the things that this team needs to talk about. Then we're going to prioritize them. And we'll do that by, you know, dot voting on the most important ones. Then we'll restack them and we'll get through as many as we possibly can. So like you can, you can create, um, the process, however, it seems to work best for the meeting type. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. One thing that I really enjoy about a well-structured meeting is not just having a clear expected outcome, but also having very clear follow-ups or next steps defined at the mm. tail end of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Great. We've talked about this thing. We've gone through our agenda. We hopefully have come up with the the outcome. We've successfully done that. What's next? Maybe there's nothing. Maybe like you've done all the work you need to do. That's rarely the case with a meeting. You know what I'm just thinking is the, the absolute worst is when you um, have a great discussion in a meeting and you're like working through something really tough and then you're like, cool. Like I think we got somewhere and nobody took notes Um, or nobody actually has the history and that's actually a a relevant part to move folks forward. Um, some, if we're talking about design meetings, uh, design program managers are really, uh, useful, not for their note taking skills, but for their programmatic skills of understanding how to keep, uh, things progressing. But this goes back to the, like, the, how are we going to do this? Like, we're going to talk. We're going to make sure we record the things. And then you're like, oh, we need somebody to do that. Um, and then we're going to stop at five minutes to the hour. And we're going to like make sure we're clear on not only next steps, but like who's going to take that on. Yeah. This reminds me of, I, I can't remember if it was at Facebook or Atlassian, but we had this kind of unspoken rule where going back to what you were saying at the beginning of this episode, if you're in the room for a meeting and someone has their laptop open, we would always say like, if someone does that and they're the first person with a laptop open, they have now been assigned to take notes because they're clearly ready and excited yep. to do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, one other scenario I was thinking about, which was actually a positive scenario. So um, when I worked at uh, Chan Zuckerberg Initiative on the learning platform, we worked with Summit Public Schools um, and they had a very, very rigorous way. The public school folks um, had a very, very rigorous way of running meetings and I, I found it a little bit intimidating at first, but when um, we adopted it, it was phenomenal. And what they did was any time we needed to go through um, and make decisions, and there was like, you know, 10 to 15 stakeholders in the room, 
which is a lot, but we were working, I mean, we were working at, as two companies working together. And so, um, we needed to have a lot of folks and they'd send out pre-reads. And so a pre-read is, you know, this is what we're going to go over. But if we spent all of our time going over this thing, we probably won't get to the meaty discussion part. And so make sure that you do your job of consuming the information beforehand. And so that's actually a way to really run an effective meeting and determine if you actually need a meeting. If it's just something that could be read independently, then maybe it doesn't even need a meeting. It goes back to that idea of like, how can you streamline and have them only the most effective meetings? Um, But what they do is if we came to the meeting and had not read it, there'd be a check. Well, first of all, they do five minutes of pleasantries, which I actually thought was really, really weird. But then I, when I start to started to see them go well, I realized why. And so the, we, like we talk about weekends or like, you know, sometimes there was a prompt, sometimes it was weird, but I ended up being very close to those folks. So it was, it was awesome. Um, so after the five minutes of pleasantries, they'd sort of do a check like a, Hey, raise your hand if you've done the reading or if you haven't done the reading. And so then if we, even if even one person had not done it, we'd need to take the time to, um, read the content and make comments on it so that we'd have discussion points. And while that might've felt like it slowed it down for the people who had done the work, um, the people who had done the work could actually like get back on their laptops, do any sort of work that they needed to do. Um, and so then what the discussion ended up being is for example, if it was a proposal, we'd just go through the Google comments in the doc and we'd get as far as we could And the thing that I found really fascinating is we wouldn't move forward until things had been resolved. And so if there was a question or a debate that came up at the top of the document, um, we'd resolve that before we'd move forward. And what that did was it caused focus um, and it prevented future debate because we'd have everybody in agreement and alignment. And it could be an agree to disagree Um, but we'd have everybody on the same page before we, we moved forward and we very rarely had to rehash things or go back to them. And so there was a lot of things that I, um, have thought about implementing here and there. And one is, one is pre-reads, which I think are phenomenal. The second is, um, making sure that everybody's done the work and making space to do that. Um, as opposed to just reading through it together, it's still self-directed, Um, but it's, it's making sure there's space for that either before. So I guess that is part of the period. And then the second was like being very intentional about decision-making and not going, creating a system that allows you to, to only move forward. I love so much of that. It reminds me, I can't remember where I heard this, but I, I'm excited to talk about it with you that the only meetings you should ever have are ones where the subject is something that people disagree on or will disagree on. Mm, Meaning if if it's not something that people are actively disagreeing on or that they will, you suspect, does it need to be a meeting? Probably not is what this saying is. So I can't remember where I heard that. It's it's funny because like, I think we have so many meetings that are just sort of like learning because we don't trust each other to go off and do the work on our own. And so for, for an example, if your company records your all hands, you actually don't need to be there. Um, but what you do need to do is you need to watch that all hands and you need to watch it around the same time that everyone else watches it so that you can synthesize the information in the same way. Um, the only real need to be in the same virtual room for that is to ask questions. I was going to say, yeah, if you want to expand on something, it's hard to do if you're not there. I, 
yes, I would say there's plenty of Slack groups and, you know, like we, we can solve that in a remote world. Um, but the thing is, if you don't actually do that, you miss out on information and you're less informed and you're not able to make decisions. And so that sort of accountability to self-direct, I don't know that we have trust in people yet to do that. And I hope that's something that comes out of us. Many of us working remotely is that we have to commit to do the work, but we also have to trust each other to do that because otherwise we're just having meetings to be in the same room. Um, and that's not really necessary. It is for a culture building mm-hmm. purpose, but. This is where I'm torn. Like I, I hear you for sure. And I, I, I suspect you're probably right about this. I'm always and, right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and many people share this perspective. I know that uh, famously 37 signals. Now I think they're, they're base camp, whatever those, that, that group of people are very, very pro don't have meetings ever for any reason. Like it's just not worth it. Send an email, make a video recording something. I am on the completely other side of that fence. I think that meetings uh, can be really, really valuable for things that we don't even really comprehend. Uh, So before I go further and expand on that, I want to say like, there's this really large group of people out there, especially on design Twitter, who are like, meetings are the worst. We don't need meetings. Meetings are a waste of time. And my response to them is always, you just need better meetings. You need an objective. You need an agenda. You need to understand why you need to have a meeting, right? The answer is not just to get rid of meetings in my mind. And so there's a few things, there's a few reasons for this in my mind again. Uh, one is just the psychological aspect of, again, seeing someone. And these days in the remote world, it's, it's critical that you do have that FaceTime. It needs to be valuable FaceTime. You can't just like dilly dally but in the the office you'd be bumping into each other in the cafeteria or in the way to the bathroom or something and so i think there's some psychological valuable aspect there in fact i know i know they've done studies that say small talk is actually immensely psychologically beneficial for the individuals participating things like when you're passing someone in the hallway and you wave and they smile and Mm -hmm. back at you in your brain, that kind of acknowledges like, okay, I've been seen. I'm a real person. I've seen someone else. We're working together. The day goes on. And you don't have that in the virtual environment. It's a bunch of text robots behind the screen saying stuff mm-hmm. at you. Additionally, I think that there are subtleties in like the knowledge we share and the the language we use and the the, the, the work that we show or talk through in any kind of meeting that is eventually very valuable for leveling up your team. Oh, a hundred percent on that. Like I, there's, there's sometimes where I can read something, but I need somebody to talk me through it or to give me perspective or examples or let me ask my questions. Um, I think, I think when we look at meetings, meetings are a solution. Um, and we should be really about honest, about, uh, honest with ourselves about what problems meetings are solving. And I think that's what I was trying to get at with like white types of meetings you have. Is it learning? Is it um, making decisions is community building. And I think we're going to find, um, if we haven't figured this out yet, that we're going to need to figure out how to be a lot more inclusive in how we have meetings and how we work. And when we think of like, you know, many parents were somehow just dropped, not only childcare, but like being teachers for their kids during COVID. And it's been like six months now. Um, and I've heard of a, a a couple of women that I know that have had to sort of like roll back their work responsibilities to do that. That's inequitable. That's unfair. 
Um, and so, you know, if, if we have more, less meetings, that gives more flexible working hours because meetings are the one thing like you have to be at and you have to be in person. And so when we start to think about flexible time schedules, I think it's really important to make sure that we're using meetings to solve the right problems and that meetings aren't the only way to solve problems. And so, you know, we think about, you know, if we think about building community, you mentioned small talk at intercom, we had a small talk channel just for the leaders. Um, and it was super fun and it went dead, but then all of a sudden it, it would go off and, you know, we wouldn't talk about work. We talk about, you know, dogs and, and families and things like that. Um, there's also, and there will be other ways to build community. Uh, me and my old team and you joined us, were playing among us the other night. And so that was more of like a happy hour type thing. Um, and that was sure a meeting, but we actually didn't have zoom on and we just like played a game and did some audio and things like that. Um, if you're trying to, to make decisions like that could be a discussion, but does it have to be, um, if you're trying to get people to listen and learn, like, can that be more self-directed? And so I think that sort of question of like, what problem are we trying to solve and why is this meeting a solution? Um, I think what we're going to find is that, you know, up until this point, meetings have been the solutions because we've all been on site and we've been in the building. And so there's been all these lovely things that have happened when you're walking, um, away from meetings as you get water cooler chat and you, get to learn things just because you're sitting next to somebody and they're doing something interesting and you can look over and say, what are you doing? Um, and so we had some, like, we had like meetings plus, and now the only way that you actually get somebody face to face is in a meeting. Um, so I think again, like I, I, I don't have formulas for this yet cause we're not far enough into this to have for anyone to have really figured out like what good remote working looks like. But I think that is a challenge that anyone can take on and say, and it goes back to exactly what you were saying, say things like, hey, what are we doing here? Is this the best way to do it? Um, What's the problem we're trying to solve? Do we believe that this is solving the problem? How have these meetings gone well? Um, How have they gone poorly before? What's the most effective use of them? Um, Or what's the most effective agenda setting that we've done? Or what's the most effective like process that we've added? And I think like now is just a really great time for teams and individuals to start to reflect on this as we sort of like move into the next, I mean, the next phase isn't probably going to happen until 2021 until companies decide when they're going back to work, if they're going to back to work and how that all works. But I think now is a great time just because we have sort of an unknown future to experiment on where we're at right now, which is remote working. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of ways you can do this. Like you said, you mentioned a number of them. But experimenting with, you know, the future of your meetings is also something you can do here. So an example that we've started doing on my team is uh, asynchronous video meetings, aka we just record ourselves talking to the camera on video, send it off to someone, wait for the reply. Yeah. And Loom um, is a product that does that really well, where it's like you record yourself, your, your face is a tiny circle, but you record yourself giving a presentation but your listeners can actually react with emojis throughout the process, clap, give hearts, give a thinking face, um, or they might be able to like make comments that are timestamps. So you can have discussions with people. Um, and I find that a really interesting product that solves a meeting problem, um, in a way that you can do that, listen and learn and still have that engagement without a meeting. Like it's nuts. Yeah. It's pretty wild. So there are a lot of things you can do to that end. Of course, 
the same things we said early on still apply. Whether you're having like an email chain, a Slack conversation, an asynchronous kind of face video recording, whatever it is, you still need to have a clear objective. What is this conversation? What are we going to do with this time? And this time may just be some ambiguous uh, scale. Uh, have that, have that, have some notion of an agenda. What kind of things do we need to talk about? How are we going to talk about these? Is it going to just stay in Slack or should we set up time? At what point will we get signal that we need more face-to-face time? Uh, if maybe a decision is not being made or something like it's okay to establish those things outside of the, what we formerly used to think about as a meeting, right? Mm -hmm. It's no longer just four walls. Yeah. I wonder what it would look like for us to sketch out what a good, like now for meetings though, what a, what a good meeting or a good replacement for a meeting would look like. And I'm thinking along the lines of time, time feels well spent. And that can be like decision-making a decision was made or I felt more connected to the people I work with. Um, one thing that we haven't gotten into, which I feel is uh, probably an oversight and this is really important is do people feel included And that means like, do we have the right people in the meeting? That doesn't mean that everybody needs to be in every meeting. Sometimes we need to like pare down the room. But what I mean by included is are the people who are supposed to be there and need to be there, are they heard equally? Um, And so I'm I'm just going to be very blunt about it. Like many women get talked over in meetings. Um, Same is true for people of color. And so are we making sure that we're running equitable meetings? And just as much as we can get talked over, Um, that can happen in offline ways too. And so there's sometimes where, you know, one habit that I'll do is I'll say, you know, Hey Jen, we haven't heard from you yet. Do you have anything you want to add? And so the habits that we, 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 we should be making in meetings. Um, we should also be making in like offline channels. Like, you know, let's, let's make a decision by doing a, uh, you know, asking something on Slack and three people respond and you're like, cool, we'll make the decision. That's the majority, but you might need to say, Hey Tanner, what were you thinking on this? You haven't answered yet. Um, yeah. That's one of the things I really enjoy doing actually, uh, in zoom meetings, for example, I'll kind of occasionally jump over to the grid view where I can see everybody. And if it looks like someone's like been maybe a little, a little quiet, then I'll, I'll kind of say, Hey, you know, I, I'd really personally love to hear what you think. And it's not like a calling them out way or, and it's not like also pinpointing it's an like opportunity. It's creating space. Shy. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. just saying, Hey, I personally appreciate your perspective. I'd love to hear it. And mm-hmm. I think anyone can do that. And then same thing with Slack. Like you said, I will specifically think about uh, people who may have not spoken up about this thing, who probably have some good perspective and I'll just call them out and say, yeah. I'd love to hear what you, you have to say on this. If you have any ideas. Yep. Sometimes they come back with, you know, I don't have any thoughts, yep. but it's the fact that we're acknowledging them and trying to get them into that conversation because they, they may have some really great perspectives yep. that we need to hear. Another one. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, another one is proper attribution, making sure like, you know, I'm just thinking of good meeting behaviors are, you know, if, if set, you know, this happens uh, again, it's a, it's a, gen- a gendered and, and minorities, um, sort of a thing, but, um, you know, somebody has an idea and they'll say it. And then the louder voice in the room, um, or the more confident voice in the room will say it again. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone needs to step up and say, Oh, you know, Tara had that idea, um, two seconds ago. So let's make sure that we let Tara like pave the way for this. Um, and that's another thing that meeting or no meeting needs to happen. Um, so equally weighted voices, um, space, and then, um, attribution. And I'm sure there's a ton more, but inclusive, inclusive meeting culture is meant to drive inclusion. (laughs) It's meant to drive equity. And so like, whether it's a meeting or not meeting, um, I think that's just a consideration as you're finding, 
methods to solve problems that you make sure that those things are still adhered to. Definitely. There's also this other thing here, which is uh, defining roles. This is really interesting because it can be done poorly, uh, but I think it can also add a lot of value if done well. Mm. And what I mean by that is going into the meeting, maybe you do need more people than some people are comfortable with having in a room. Uh, Maybe you need just, you want those additional perspectives. You want to make sure that they are up to date or part of the conversation. The last thing you want to do though is, you know, design by committee or come to solutions based on the democratic vote of people in the room. Yeah. And I, I have an example. We, um, we do design reviews previously and we'd bring mostly designers into the room, but we'd only have one stakeholder from every other function. And so if all the designers would give their perspective and if we sort of voted, then the, you know, if they're all on the same page then that sort of weights the vote unevenly. And so I'd get frustrated sometimes when the designers would monopolize too much of the conversation. You know, if we've got a director of product and a director of marketing and a director of sales, like we actually need to, when we're, when we're working in all of those spaces, we need to make sure that, um, we're understanding all of the needs and all of the preferences of, of other folks. And so, um, making sure that the people who are needing to give feedback are the ones giving feedback. And I don't, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to backtrack from it. Um, sometimes my most junior people don't need to be the people giving feedback and making decisions. And I, I want them to be able to have the backtrack is like, obviously everybody's opinion is valid, but if first say we're in like an executive review, um, we need to like go in with alignment and we need to like make sure we're being very effective with our time. And so, you know, I wouldn't, unless the intern was driving the conversation, I wouldn't want, you know, an, an F fly on the wall to be, um, giving, you know, sort of like off the cuff opinions that I, I, that probably came across as it doesn't mean junior people can't have a perspective. It just means like the right people should have the perspective and you have to define who that is. And I'll give an example. Um, another, um, thing that we did in a previous company was we'd have, um, sort of decision makers sit at the table and then we had benches around the side of the wall. And so we'd invite a lot of folks in because it was so valuable for people to listen and learn. But the role of somebody who was not at the table was not to be involved in the discussion. It was to soak the information in. And so that was actually a visual difference where it's like we were opening our doors and that was welcome. Um, However, we knew that in order to make good use of our time and move things forward, we had um, appointed people who needed to be part of the discussion. And we could bring that back to Alassian Stacy framework where you have a decision or a driver and approver contributors and informed, um, the informed people would probably be the people sitting on the wall. The contributors might be the people at the table. And then there might be one person who's actually making the final decision. And was that something that everyone knew? Like going yeah. into this room, if you're on the wall, yeah. your, your job, the outcome for you is you're going to learn. Yeah. And like it's, it's as you're, as you're making changes or making observations, like you have to figure out how you want to share those. And so, you know, if you're an IC, you might go to your manager or the meeting holder and say, Hey, you know, we were in this meeting and it wasn't really clear what I was supposed to do there. Like, do you think next time we could just like, when we kick off that meeting again, we could just refresh like what everybody's roles is, are and what we're trying to accomplish. And that's essentially getting at like roles and and objectives. Um, and so, or it might be your meeting and you can just say like, Hey, we're going to try this differently. Um, I'd like to just go over sort of like rules of the road, um, what people's roles are here, why we have people here. Um, and you know, make clarity that way. And so I think there's, you know, one way is not just, 
is not just to say, Oh, all of our meetings suck and we need to change them. Like you have, if, if you're not in charge of changing them, you have to just give feedback. And that's something that's pretty simple to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I think we talk about this often. If there's something that you think is wrong or you have a problem with the, the way to resolve that is not to go with your, like your, your, your crew, your pixel guns pointing oh. out everywhere and saying like, I'm going to fix this. No, it's, it's to provide feedback. And, uh, another way though, is to demonstrate it through yourself. Like the meetings that you do host demonstrate what a good meeting looks like. Yeah. Have a schedule, have an objective, have roles defined, have a clear like outcome. Look like, at that objective, have uh, follow-up tasks defined, invite the right people, make sure that people are speaking up. Yeah. And just like an, a quick little tool is uh, for giving feedback is the SBI method, which is situation or scenario and then behavior and then impact. And so, you know, Hey, in this situation where I was in this meeting, it felt like everybody was sort of talking over each other and talking over each other's the behavior. Um, and what that did was it made me really uncomfortable speaking up because I couldn't get a word in it twice. And, you know, there's, there's an, another model that's very similar that then that says there's an ask afterwards and, you know, Hey, do you think you could make sure that we, you know, have a speaking torch or something that we pass around, or can we find methods that allow more balanced conversation? Um, I had, Oh, the other way, like I'm thinking of, if you're, if you're observing things that aren't going well, the best thing to do is to go and, and give feedback. But within that, it might actually be valuable to ask some questions, you know, Hey, meeting owner or, you know, manager, how did you think that meeting went? What, what were we supposed to accomplish there? How, how do you think that could be made clearer? Um, what's my role in that meeting? How would you like me to deliver feedback on meetings? And just that sort of like, Hey, I'm observing some stuff. Um, and I'd like to kind of dig into this. Curiosity is always a good way to do that. And it'll keep you from coming in like guns blazing and be like, all our meetings suck. Like we need to change everything. So again, it's, I think this is just another, you know, one of our many opportunities to approach things with humility and curiosity. So there you go. Meetings can be all right. They can be, they can be okay. Yeah. And well, I think like uh, particular because we have a change in how we're working, we're just going to learn a ton and having sort of a growth mindset and that, you know, Hey, we've been doing things this way for however long, maybe it's a short amount of time, maybe it's a long amount of time, but you know, let's maybe take this as an opportunity to figure out if the way we're doing things is going to work for the future. I think that's kind of exciting. Yeah, definitely. In fact, if you're listening to this and you have some examples of good or bad meeting practices in this current state of the world, we'd love to hear it. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Tanner Christensen. I'm on Twitter at Tanner C. Oh, I'm supposed to share mine. <laughs> Sorry, not paying attention. Uh, yeah, I'm Jasmine Friedel. And then Jazzy33CA on Twitter. I so didn't know we shared these, but we can. We've done this before. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. All right. I can't remember what happened anything past like two weeks ago. Anyway. Until next time. End scene. <laughs>